discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can you please take your seat? Thank you. Hallelujah. Said hallelujah. When we came last year, we were so excited. And since we left, we've been anticipating to come back. Hallelujah. We thank God for the life of the bishop. Yeah. Hallelujah. For the obedience of faith. And for loving God. And for God allowing God to do all these things through him. Hallelujah. So we thank God that he's given us such a wonderful man. Who is, whose life is worthy of emulation. And whom you can follow because he's following Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I guarantee you, you are in the right place. Hallelujah. You are in, in a love economy. The name, as its name is, so is the place. Yeah. You see, the very ambience is love. Everything is love. So you are in a good place and uh, God is taking you somewhere greater. Yes. You see what will happen in, in the next 10 years, how your life will radically revolutionize because of your connection. I remember years ago, the Lord showed me that whoever connect to this vine, to this ministry, I saw the person walking in, in the exact purpose of God for his life. Yes, I saw the whole love economy and everyone was in God's purpose. It's rare, but God showed me that, yeah, the moment you connect, things will start falling in line. So you're in a good place. God bless you. Hallelujah. Shall we receive a word of prayer? Your name be exalted. Thank you for what you are doing this weekend. Father, thank you for what you did yesterday. And thank you for what you are doing today. Your name be exalted forever. We walk by faith and not by sight. By faith, we see the invisible. Our faith substantiates the invisible. We know by faith... That you are all around us, Abba Father. Working unceasingly. Thank you for what you have done and what you are doing. Thank you for the finished work of Christ and the current work of the Holy Ghost. In us, among us, and around us. Your word is possible. Your word is creative. Your word is powerful. 
and your word will bring to us what it says and we have the ability the willingness we have the performance to do what it says we are never the same our destinies are framed they are shaping and we walk in glory shame defeat ignominy is far from our dwelling all that you give us in Christ in his finished work is ours and we manifest it and our portion is joy joy unspeakable and full of glory we reign in the realm of life mama we have tasted of your goodness we have tasted of your substance we have tasted of your reality and this blessed morning I bind and banish the spirit of depression and the spirit of heaviness and despair everyone under the sound of my voice is free in that name Jesus you are free you are free as the calf of the stall chains are broken bondages are broken shackles are broken manacles are broken rakta shabra kaka shishti bishanda drezus inna matari zish mamakata yerya toasty inkadabatata that which was holding you ransom is broken asunder in jesus name that which was impeding your progress is broken asunder in jesus name you have clarity of purpose clarity of mind you are refreshed we put to shame the forces of darkness Yemanda, mama shanda their works over your lives are broken asunder in Jesus name thank you father thank you lord and we are free to listen to God's word we love you father because you have loved us in Jesus name the son of God amen amen we thank God for his blessing yesterday All because God loves you so. He, he brings you good things. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> this blessed Sunday morning, I, I want to speak on the subject, what God is constantly doing. What God is constantly doing. Praise God. Hallelujah. What God is constantly doing. Thank you, Jesus. We are blessed. You see, every day I, one thing I know is that when Jesus died in his redemptive work, what Jesus gave us through his death is so vast, is so wide, is so high, is so deep, it's infinite, it's immense. It's transcendent. What Jesus gave us in his finished work, when we get to heaven, we'll realize that, oh, so all our days on earth, we just uh, scratched, uh, what we enjoyed is 1% or less of what Jesus gave. It's too much. Now, even look at the natural creation. Look at what God gave Adam. 
in the physical world. But Adam didn't, had no idea. I don't know whether I knew anyway. I don't think he knew everything. Because when God made man, electricity was in the earth. Oil was there. Bauxite, gold, all these rich elements. Too much. All of these things were in the earth. You see how before you give birth, you start preparing for your child. You buy a baby coat. You buy so many things just for the arrival of the baby. The baby doesn't have to go looking for what he wants or she wants. <laughs> the baby cannot do that. But everything the baby needs is already provided for because of, because of your love. You care for the baby. How much more God? Whatever mankind will need was already provided for before mankind stepped on the earth. But how much more the new creation? How much more the second creation? How much more what God gave us in Christ? It's too much. That's why Apostle Paul could say, Unto me, whom I'm less than the least of all saints, is this grace given <laughs> that I should preach unto the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That riches that is measureless, that is boundless, that is unfathomable, improbable, it is too wide, too much. Ephesians 3 8. It's unsearchable riches of Christ. Hallelujah. And I want to show you something God is constantly doing just because Christ died. Constantly doing. Why am I saying this? So that once you know, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So once you know, <laughs> you can begin to walk in the realities of it. So it's good to know. Sometimes when the word comes, you may not even believe it. But after a while, the Holy Ghost can quicken the word in your heart. Two months ago, I preached on communion, communion somewhere. And someone got the message and the person said, this is not true. Whilst the person was listening to the message, the person said, this is an exaggeration. It's not true. It's not true. How can this be? The guy is just exaggerating. Not too long, the guy fell sick. The sickness was intense. It was terminal. It was within. He's done, he did everything and there was no solution. So, then he remembered the message. <laughs> Then he told himself, let me go and try and see. So he went and did it, and you know what God did? Instantly, after taking communion, everything disappeared. Instantly, I can just imagine. Now he's an ambassador of the communion message. <laughs> so what you hear is very important. Sometimes, initially, you may not even see what is happening, but you may get into a fix, then the word will come to you. The Holy Ghost will quicken the word in your heart then you take hold of it and it will, it will bring miracles for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what is God constantly doing? Yeah. I want to show you four things God is constantly doing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Four things he's constantly doing. The first one is that God is constantly imputing righteousness on you. Or God is constantly seeing you as righteous. That's the first thing. So we read the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 24. Romans 3, 24. What does it say? Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Being 
Now, when you hear the word justified, it only means to be declared righteous. If you say I'm justified, it means I am righteous. You are declared righteous. Yeah. To be justified, now, now justification is a very deep word. Justification means <laughs> when God justifies you, God is saying you are a righteous man who has never sinned. That's the word. So people love to say just as if you have never sinned. Justify, just as if you have never sinned. Okay. The Bible says we are justified freely. Can you imagine? That means that you, the word freely means without cost. So you, God declared you righteous. God says you are righteous without anything you did. Without any price you paid. Without anything you earned. God said you are righteous, but you have not done anything righteous. But he said you are righteous. Why? Freely. So uh, being declared righteous is free. By his grace. It is his favor we cannot even end. Unmerited favor. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, so on our part is free, but on God's part it was not free. That's why the Bible says the reason why it is free is because of the word redemption. You know, you know what redemption means? Redem- redemption means to repossess at a cost. To repossess at a cost. So anything that has to do with redeeming has to do with paying a price, paying an amount. So because God paid for you, you didn't have to pay. So this is the righteous foundation for our righteousness and justification. God paid. Say, God paid for me. God paid for me. Yeah. So, the Bible says that, the Bible says we are justified freely. So, I'm declared righteous freely. All right. But when you go to Romans 5.1, it says that, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified by faith. Now, I know you are following. So, I won't ask, are you following? I know you are following. Do you realize that in this verse, you see the word justified? Romans 5.1, you see justified. But uh, in Romans 3.24, we also saw the word what? Justified. All right. Normally, um, as I'm teaching, I'm going to use a lot of uh, tenses in the Greek. Why do I say Greek? It was because the Greek language is richer than the English language. For information, there are only 5,000 words in English, and there are 20,000 words in Greek. So in God's wisdom, the time the Bible was, the New Testament was written was just after, after the time of Alexander the Great who was the emperor of the Grecian kingdom. If you've heard of Alexander the Great, the greatest soldier the world has ever known. That's how he's esteemed. So he conquered the world, and by that, he was a king in Greece. When he conquered the world, the Greek language became the official language of the, of the world, like the way we speak English everywhere. After that era, Jesus came. In the New Testament was officially written in Greek because that was official, it was God's wisdom. Because the Greek language is the most precise and the most exact language. Yeah, the English is so limited. I was saying last week that in English, if, if I say I go like I can, in English, I can say I love football, then I can say I love cake, then I can say I love my family, 
I love my friend and I love my wife. It's the same love, love, love. But when someone is speaking Greek, he wouldn't say that. Because the Greek words are a lot. The person would have said, I feel you, my friends. I stego my family. I epitumos football. <laughs> I eros this cake. And I agape my wife. <laughs> So, all these are the five basic words for love. But English uses only one word. Love, 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 love. So, so if someone says, I love you, you don't even know which kind of love he's talking about. <laughs> because someone wants to sleep with you, the person will say, I love you. Another person too wants to do something, sacrifice for you, the person can also say, I love you. But you cannot tell which love the person is talking about. It's too... <laughs> because you cannot see the person's motive. So that's why we say Greek. And if you want to study the Bible deeper, you you get into these areas. There are wonderful Bibles, Bibles that can help you, like the Dick Bible. If you have the Dick Bible, it means you are very serious. <laughs> if you don't have it, I'm not saying you are you're not serious. <laughs> Hallelujah. Alright, so there's a word justified here. Therefore, being justified by faith. Now, the word justified here, when you in school, you learn about past tense, present tense, future tense, and all of these things. You know, when I was in school, I didn't take these things serious. I didn't take all these participles and all of this. They were so confusing. But when I became a preacher, I started studying the Bible. I went like, yeah, I wish I had studied well. But my wife studied very well, so anything I asked my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if your wife and you didn't study well, you can ask your husband. <laughs> Hallelujah. Alright. The Greek also has tenses. That can so when we, that can give you a, a more Elucidate, elucidate and give you a more better explanation. Therefore, being justified, the word justified here is in what is called the aorist tense. Aorist tense is like English past tense. So, we're justified in the past. Do you know that when you gave your life to Christ, you were justified? The day you gave your life to Jesus, God saw you as righteous. Praise God. You were declared righteous. Why? Because Jesus on the cross, he had never sinned before, not one, but he took all your sin. And you, you have never done any act of righteousness before. You receive all his righteousness. That's what happened. Praise God. But that is, this is not what I'm talking about today. So let's go back to Romans 3, 24, and let me show you what it means. Being justified freely. But the word justified here is in present passive participle. Now, present passive participle means that God 
So when we read Romans 5.1, in the past, when you gave your life to Christ, you were justified. But here, the tense here is present passive participle, which means, means that God is constantly, every time, seeing you as righteous. Can you imagine? Every time, before you came to church, he saw you righteous. Now that you are in church, he sees you righteous. When you go home, he sees you righteous. When you are watching soccer, he sees you righteous. When you are drinking tea, he sees you righteous. Monday, he sees you righteous. Tuesday, he sees you righteous. Wednesday, he sees you righteous. Thursday, he sees you righteous. Don't think Friday, he will not see you righteous. Friday, he sees you righteous. Saturday, he sees you righteous. Sunday, Friday night. Yeah, when you're watching a movie, he sees you righteous. <laughs> it's amazing that God, this word means every time he's seen, he's seen you as righteous. You must see what God sees. And, and the thing is this. Before you failed, God sees you, saw you righteous. When you failed, God saw you, sees you righteous. After your failure, he sees you righteous. Hey! What is this man saying? I'm saying the scriptures. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Do you know that um, an unbeliever, an unbeliever, God is always seeing the unbeliever as a sinner. The unbeliever as an un- uh, uh, unrighteous. When the unbeliever does good, he's unrighteous. All the good he's, all the good he's, the unbeliever does, he can be giving food to the poor, giving money. God still sees him unrighteous. Despite all his good deeds, God sees him as unrighteous. That's how God sees the believer. God is constantly seeing you as righteous. It's because if the believer sons, he doesn't lose his righteousness. True or false? Now, what kind of righteousness is that? If the believer sons, does he lose his righteousness? If you say yes, you know what it means? That means you can lose your righteousness 20 times a day. And regain it 20 times a day. Yeah, because, because worry is even sin. Worry is sin. Don't you know fear is sin? Covetousness is sin. Desiring, you, you, you desire someone's car. And the desire was not correct. Ah, this guy, pa, look at his face. Look, he even has this guy. This one should have been mine. It's sin. <laughs> desiring someone's wife. Ah, this one. This one should have been my wife. Looking at my handsomeness, I match this beauty. Someone's husband. Yeah, looking at the six packs. <laughs> but there are some packless husbands who are better. <laughs> not even one, not even one pack. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what it means is that. The reason is because your righteousness is not something you did. Your righteousness is Christ. Christ is your righteousness. So righteousness will never fail. Your, your conduct may fail, but your righteousness will not fail. This is the foundation of the gospel. All right. Romans 5 verse 17. Romans 5 verse 17. 
Let's see what it says. For if by one man's offense death reigned, the, the Greek says death reigned as king. Death reigned. When the Bible says death reigned, it means sickness reigned, disease reigned, viruses reigned, sin reigned, addiction reigned. They all came by death. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Now the Bible gives us the key. How many of you want to reign in life? Hmm. You know what it means to reign in life? <laughs> the Greek says reigning as king in life. Now when you reign as king, sin cannot reign. When you reign as king, sin cannot reign. Addiction cannot reign in your life. Addiction cannot reign. Gossip cannot reign. Fear cannot reign. Worry cannot reign. Sickness cannot reign. Disease cannot reign. Poverty cannot reign. But the Bible is saying that you can be a believer and not reign. This, let me show what it means. You can be a believer and not reign. You know why? When you are reigning, you are always smiling. Even the way you walk is different. You walk as though you are, you are in charge. You are not a victim of situations and problems. And you, are not a, you are not a victim. When there's a problem, you pace up and down. Hey, I'm dead. I'm dead. No, no, no. We don't reign by saying I'm dead. You reign, you're you always smiling. Because you know, you know who you are. Hallelujah. <laughs> How do we reign? It says much more. They which receive two things. Abundance, abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Hmm. But the word receive here. The word receive here. Is present active participle. In the Greek. Let me show what it means. When we read in Romans 3.24... God is always imputing righteousness on you. God is always seeing you as righteous. He's always counting you as righteous. But this is our response. Because God is always seeing you as righteous, the word receive means you must always be receiving it. Constantly receive it. It doesn't mean you can become righteous and righteous and righteous and righteous and righteous. What it means is that as God is imputing righteousness to you, you always must be conscious and declare yourself that what God says you are. What God says I am, I am. I am righteous because he sees me as righteous. I am righteous because he says I am righteous. I am righteous because he's, he imputes righteousness on me. So constantly you walk in a consciousness and what God sees you to be, you see yourself to be. Now, you may, you may not see how important this is, but all your success in life is based on this. That means that you must say, I am the righteousness of God. Because that is what God is. Can you imagine that? 24 7 God is seeing you as righteous. When it comes to the finished work of Christ and what Jesus did, it is beyond mental comprehension. It is too much. When you get into this riches, you go like, how, how, how? How, how, how? 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 You know why? Let me show you something. You remember Elijah when he met the prophet of Baal and he, they raised up an altar and they had to bring fire from above. It was a challenge. They cried the whole day, nothing happened. But by the time of the evening sacrifice, 3 p.m., 
Elijah just went and raised up the altar and commanded, pray, lifted up his hands, prayed, and fire came down. Hmm. When the fire came, the fire consumed, not just the fire, licked the fire, it consumed the stones. It consumed the wood. It bent the sacrifice and bent the wood and bent the, everything was gone. You know why? The judgment was more than the sacrifice. The judgment was greater and higher than the sacrifice. But on the cross, the sacrifice was greater than the judgment. <laughs> Look, Jesus alone, he's more than all our judgment put together. So much that if you, you were indebted to him, if you owed God, if you owed God 100,000 cities, that was how you owed God. No, it's too small. 100 million cities. That's how you owed God. Jesus, you know how much Jesus paid? Jesus paid 100 octillion dollars. <laughs> octillion. I'm not saying trillion. I'm not saying sextillion. Octillion. It is too much. It is over and above. Now you, have, you, you must be. And now this man now has become your righteousness. His, his, his righteousness has been imputed unto you. So God, can you, God has always seen you righteous. That's how you can reign in life. That's how you can reign. For instance, do you realize that a believer who knows God's word, if he starts feeling ill, what does he do? If you start feeling, all of a sudden you have migraine. A mature believer will not go like, oh Lord, please, please. Do something about this. Lord. Oh Lord. Take it away. Take it away. Lord. You know, you can do that and it will be there. But a mature believer knows it's right. So in, by his stripes I'm healed. Migraine. So he declares who he is in Christ. He declares by, him, by his stripes I'm healed. He's not even declaring the pain. He's declaring positively that by his stripes he is healed. What about if you lose your temper? Oh, I'm dead. Don't say that. What you do wrong, of course, you have to judge yourself to have done wrong. On the other way, you lost your temper. You said something that was not good. There's a way you can, you see, when you do wrong, you should judge yourself. The Bible says that he that is spiritual judges himself. There's a way through the word you can repent by changing your mind towards the situation. Praise God. Yeah. If the thing is real caring, as if you are defeated by it, you don't have to, how to deal with it. So I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Can you imagine? Now, you are saying who you, you, you really are. Uh, but the guy just did something that's not wrong. He's saying he's the righteousness of God. It's like being sick and saying, I am healed. Is it wrong? It's not wrong. When you are sick, you declare you are healed. And when this thing is persistent, you can declare you are his righteousness. Because in his sight, that is what truly you are. And when you declare that, that addiction or sin will lose its power. It will lose its power over you. It's, it's, it's a way of reckoning that the old man is dead. Actually, when you have a problem and you're always crying to God, it may never go. That's another message. Because 
That's why, haven't you realized that there's, there's something you want, you want that thing gone? You've cried, ah, prayed, ah, you've been fasting, fasting, it's not going. Yeah. Because you are not seeing what God is seeing. From God's perspective, your old man was dead. He says, reckon ye yourself also to be dead. So the fact that you are crying to God about it means you are acknowledging that the old man is alive. <laughs> because God, so God doesn't know what you are saying. To him is dead. So when, when temper is coming, know that it's a mirage. It's not that really you. Can, if you know this is not, this is not me, the thing will die. And you know, I'm, not, I'm his righteousness. What does his righteousness do? God's righteousness, losing his temper is not possible. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. It will lose its power. Yeah. All sort of, even masturbation and now declare who you are in Christ. Don't think you are a captive, handicapped, you are a victim to masturbation. No. It, it, God, Jesus did not die to produce weaklings and victims. Do you know what his righteousness can do? His righteousness. Ma, 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 ma. And as you say it, Look, in this world, when we get born again, our spirit is reborn. When you read Romans, it's amazing. Romans says we are not in the flesh, but the flesh is in us. <laughs> For instance, if a chip or a fragment of wood enters your, 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 your skin, are you wooden? No, you are not wooden, but the wood is in you. The flesh is in us, but we are not flesh. <laughs> it doesn't define you. Hmm. So sometimes, look, sometimes you're about to pray for someone. Then an evil thought comes to your head. <laughs> what do you think you are? Remember yesterday, what you said was not even appropriate. What will you do? What will you do? Now, now, one thing is that when you are going through an addiction and, and you, you want to, someone, uh, someone will say, oh, try and stop, try and stop. Try and overcome. That is Satan's agenda. That is Satan's gospel. Wow. <laughs> because, listen, when the Bible speaks of the law, it has to do with using your strength to please God. And trying and trying and trying. The Bible tells us, First Corinthians fifteen fifty six, the stench of sin is death, and the strength of sin is the law. Hmm. The, the Greek says the dunamis of sin. That's the Greek. The dunamis of sin is the law. So when you give the law, if now if you want if you want people to to live in sin constantly, introduce the law to them. Because when you give them the law that they should please God with their strength and with their energies, you know what is happening. You've set them for failure. Because the dynamics, <laughs> the energizing, dynamiting, dynamiting force of sin is the law. But the Bible says that sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because ye are not under the law. Because the, the force, the dynamics of sin is the law, but under grace. So instead of trying, 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 no, 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 just relax. And just bless the God that you are his righteousness. Conscious. 
Even when you fail, be conscious of who you are in Christ and failure will lose its power. Yeah. That addiction will lose its power. That's how it works. That's how it works. The Bible says that, For therein I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and to the Gentiles. Romans 1.16. 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Actually, see, the just shall live by faith. The Greek actually says, my righteous ones by faith shall live. That's the Greek. The English says, my righteous ones shall live by faith. But the Greek says, my righteous ones by faith shall live. What, this is what it means. My righteous ones by faith shall live. My righteous ones, now it's different, the just shall live by faith. My righteous ones by faith shall live. Now, those who know they are righteous by faith and not by works are those who will live. <laughs> those who always know Christ is my righteousness. Even when they fail, they look to Christ, they, they will come out of that problem. They will manifest God's life. That consciousness. That consciousness. That consciousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want you to know that God never, never sees you as a failure. Your act is different. God never, see, God never sees you as a failure. God always sees you as Christ because you are in him. Always in him. Wow. It's nice. The day you, this truth sinks into your heart, raising the dead would not be something that is difficult for you. The possibility become possible. When you walk in life, you're always smiling. You walk in pra- practical Christian life. Hallelujah. Say, God has constantly seen me as righteous. There's the first one. The second one. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. The second one is that God is constantly working His desire in me and His will in me for His good pleasure. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. This is what every pastor wants for his congregation. Is that not so? He says that, he's telling the church that, look, they were more obedient when he wasn't around. Paul is telling the church, the local church, that they were more obedient when in his absence than in his presence. That's what every parent wants for his child. And every pastor wants for his congregation. So though the pastors are absent, you are more dedicated than in their presence. That's revelation. Because there are people who, who like to do eye service. They will never sweep until pastor is around. Because pastor is in a compound, they are mopping the floor. But if pastor is not around, even the attitude by which they are sweeping... They, they can't wait to leave. But when pastor comes, uh-huh. pastor, is there, is there anything you want? There's nothing wrong with it. But you see, if pastor is not around, the, and your commitment is more, more, you know what it means? We're working in Revelation. Now you've seen Christ. Now 
you are want you want to please Christ. That though the pastor is not around, you know that your promotion and your blessing will come from Christ. So your confidence is in Him. So even in His absence, you can do more because your allegiance, your allegiance first is to Christ. And if Christ wants your promotion, promotion, He will flow through Him supernaturally to touch you, to reach to you. Yeah. So obedience in absence is better. You have to obey in His presence, but even in the absence, you know, you know that since He's not around, much must be done. So you do more. Hallelujah. When parents travel, hmm, the kids. You know, I was I planned to come with my wife for this trip, but I said because of the kids, we don't have a lot of people around. You, you stay. <laughs> you see, because they they are, they are still growing. <laughs> You have teenage boys. Some of them, when mommies and daddy are going out, they are so happy. Because they know what they can do in their absence. <laughs> but when you are maturing, you can do better. Yeah. By the grace of God, I do better when no one is around than when people are around. Yeah. For instance, let's say we are all fasting and praying. I'm okay. But when I'm alone, it's more effective. I am more disciplined alone than in the presence of people. That, I, that one I've, I've been looking for answers for the reason. <laughs> Praise God. Let's say, oh, let's all fast. It's okay. When I fast some people, sometimes I, I, I even want to break. And when I'm alone, it's intense. So be more intense when you're alone. I'm not saying when people are, around, people are around, don't be intense. But, I agree. Alright. Much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does it mean to work out your own salvation? People have misinterpreted this verse. Paul never said, work for your own salvation. He never said, work for your own salvation. He said, work out. There's a difference between working for your salvation. Nobody can work for your salvation. If you can work for your salvation, Christ died in vain. It's an affront to the cross of Christ. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If you could have worked for your salvation, Christ died in vain. <laughs> Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works. Now the, the, next, verse, the, the next verse says, For it is God that worketh in you. So he's saying when God works in you, you work out what he has already worked in. For it is God that worketh in you. So when you got saved, all of God's salvation was in your spirit. Now let it manifest bodily so that everyone can see that Christ is in you. That's all that he's talking about. He never said we should work for our salvation. He would have destroyed all of his doctrines he gave us. Now, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What is fear and trembling? You see, fear and trembling is a Hebrew Hebraism. Hebrew idiom. You know, there are some idioms in our language. When you bring it into English, it, it changes the meaning a little. Uh-huh. Like, uh, even in the Bible, the Bible says that, Jesus says that, it is hard for a rich man to enter in, through the eye of the needle. 
It is easier for a rich man to enter through the eye of the needle than for, for him to be saved. Thank you. It is easier for a camel to enter through the what? The eye of the needle. But those days, we took the eye of a pin and we're looking through. How can a camel go through the opening of a pin? Hey. <laughs> The narrow is the way. They will add narrow is the way. That leads to life. <laughs> then we got to know that, oh, the eye of the needle is the name of a gate in Jerusalem. Yeah. There was a main gate and a smaller gate called the needle's eye. So if the cameras come late, they would have to they would close the main gate. But they have to open the small gate. So they have to struggle. They can't go with luggage. They have to go in alone. Maybe some of you are hearing it for the first time. There are some words in English if you transliterate it in, 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 in there are some words in our local language if we transliterate it in English is different. Yeah, Pour the salt away. The person is dead. He has kicked the bucket. Can you imagine? He has kicked the bucket. When this is Kick the bucket. I mean, someone who is not from our this part of the world will not even understand what you're saying. If you want to, something like if you want to write it in English, how, how will you? <laughs> I'm writing under the rice. It doesn't make meaning. <laughs> When the Bible says fear and trembling, you may think that, hey, the person is afraid. Hey, but that's not fear and trembling. <laughs> fear and trembling is that you are so full of awe because something good has happened. It's too good that you are so amazed you can't help yourself. It's too good. It's too, you are, uh-huh, that kind of feeling. <laughs> Like uh, the, 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 the woman with the issue of blood, when the fountain of blood was healed, the Bible says she trembled. Wow, wow, it, it, has it happened? Is it happening? <laughs> okay, you can see the, uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 9. Let's see Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33, verse 9, to make it clear for us. And it shall be. To me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I procure unto it. So God is going to bless them so much that God will bless Israel and bless he'll, that the nations will shake and go like, oh, this is too much. They'll fear and tremble. That's fear and trembling. Praise God. <laughs> now, in, in, Jude, in the book of Jude 1, verse 3. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me. Verse 3, not 9. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. Commons. Now, he calls our salvation common salvation. Koinos soteria. The word koinos actually speaks of Properties that are mutually shared by a husband and a, and a wife. 
properties that are mutually shared by husband and wife. He's talking about properties. Let's say you are married, estate, cars, wealth, and all of these things are for the couple, and they are supposed to mutually enjoy them. That's the word koinos here. He calls it common salvation. He's telling us, you know, the word salvation is big. Soteria has to do with healing, deliverance, preservation, provision. That's the word salvation. It's big. All the blessings are in the word salvation. But he calls it common salvation. <laughs> you know what it means? So koinos soteria. So we are married to Christ, is that not so? It's mutually enjoying all the properties, everything that belongs to Christ is ours. Everything, health is yours, everything is yours. Mm. The Bible calls our salvation great salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now, Paul is saying that look at what Jesus has done for us in providing such great salvation for us. This common salvation. All of this inheritance, all of this wealth and riches heaven has given to us in our salvation. As you learn all these things, you just have to fear and tremble, tremble because the, the blessings of salvation are too much. Sometimes as you go through the word, you sit in your room and go like, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, this is too much. Ah, 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 ah. That, that is fear and tremble, trembling. You are, fear, you are so full of, you are in shock. This is too much. And when that revelation hits you, you go like, this is too much. You begin to walk in it. You begin to walk in it. You start working it out. So this is mine. Peace is mine. You walk in peace. Joy is mine. You walk in joy. Long suffering is mine. Patience is mine. All of these things are mine. And they are in me. They are part of my salvation. I work them out. But people, believers don't know it. Now, let's, according to recent statistics, eh, only 9% of Christians read the Bible. Current statistics, only 9% of Christians read the Bible worldwide. So, of the 9%, how many understand what they are reading? And of those who understand, how many are walking in the truth they are reading? That is why many people are giving pastors too much trouble. The thing you should be able to see in the Bible yourself and solve it within, you bring it to pastor. But when the word is, you should read the Bible. The Bible. The statistics of Bible reading in love economy should be 100%. Jesus Jesus 100%. Everyone reads the Bible the quiet time before you go to work. Because that is your life. When you are told to read the Bible, you, you think you are doing it for someone. Wait until you are 60 or 70. You look back and go like, ah, I did myself bad. It's for you. There are too many troubles and challenges in life. You don't, if you don't get into the word, you wouldn't have faith for challenges ahead. You want to marry. What about if you marry and they, they, they tell you you cannot give birth? What are you going to do? Is your foundation in the word that will solve the issue? Or what about if they tell you that you have kidney failure? What are you going to do? Is your foundation in the word that will make the difference? As we move through life, too many challenges. But you see, the more the word gets into you, the more you laugh, you laugh at the storm. They won't even come. And if they come, you'll just deal with it. So you have to get the common salvation. As you see what is yours, what is a mine? What is a mine? Wow. 
You should be able to see when you are alone in your room, and, and you should be able to uh, just fellowship with the word. A month ago, I went on a retreat and I was in the word. Uh, uh, the day I was breaking my fast, I went to the restaurant. As I sat down, I got so much into the word, I forget my, about my environment. I was about to shout, and then I remembered, I just saw people are all around. <laughs> Can you imagine? I was like, about to shout. This is too good. This is too when, when you When you leave the room and you are walking, it's too good. When someone even offends you, you don't even hear it. <laughs> you are in glory. Ah, you are full of peace. Your workmate or cosmate offends you. <laughs> you are laughing. Yeah. You should know it yourself. Then we can work out. You can work out healing. You can work out prosperity. You can work out peace of mind. All of these are within us. So, do it with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling is the, comes up from the outburst of revelation. You are so full of awe and amazement. You are astonished out of measure. This is too good. Oh, wow. Wow. Hallelujah. Especially if you, you can have a time of fasting. You are fasting in the word. That's one of the ways to access scriptures quickly. Because your spirit is so sharp. It's like you were able to see things you were not seeing when you were, your stomach was full. <laughs> ah, because it's like you, you're not distracted. And make sure your phone is off. You are not a telephonist. <laughs> you are not a receptionist. Put it on silence. After, after being with God, you can own it. And as you access it, oh God, oh God. Oh God, oh God, what is this? Then you will kneel down, then you will lie down, then you roll on the floor, then you will jump, then you will smile, then you are dancing, then ah. Sometimes I see revelation in the room and I dance. Sometimes, sometimes I take my shirts and I dance. I dance. It's too good. In, in the midst of the dance, I'm declaring the word. I cannot fail. Good things are coming to my life. Prosperity is mine. Health is mine. Strength is mine. I see realities and I just pick them forth. I'm full of joy. By the time you come out, you are reading in life. <laughs> Don't be part of those 9%. Eh, sorry, how many? Eh, 91%. Who don't read? Don't be part of them. Hallelujah. Verse 13 says, For it is God that worketh in you, <laughs> both to will and to do of his good pleasure. For it is God that worketh. The word worketh is present active participle. So the Greek says, <laughs> The word active means that he's the one doing it. He's actively doing it to you. Causing it to happen. It is God, the Greek says, it is God who is constantly working in you to desire. He's working desires in you so you can perform his good pleasure. Now, when you understand this, you'll be in rest. So as I'm speaking, God is constantly working. There's something God is constantly doing in you. He's working in you for you to desire, to will, 
to desire something after his good pleasure. Say amen. amen. For instance, as a preacher, as a preacher, how do I know what I should preach? There are times God speaks to me in a vision direct, say this. But there are times it, it, God doesn't work that way. God puts the desire in you. Before you really, there's a, a desire comes in you towards one direction. And that desire is put there by God. Because the way God causes you to do his good pleasure is first putting the desire there. Whatever God wants you to do, if the desire is not there, it is not the will of God for you to do that. How do you know it's the will of God for you to do something? It is preceded by a desire. If there is no desire and someone gives you a prophecy, don't go ahead. I'll explain. Because this is God's pattern. This is his map. Before God will cause you to do his good pleasure, previously he would have worked the desire in you. Then he'll give you the performance to make, make it come to pass. So if God does not give the desire, it is not his will or it's not time. Praise God. Like it happens. For instance, when we went to the, the live economy church in Tamale, I was in the room meditating what I'll go and preach. Then all of a sudden I had a desire to just leave the hotel room and walk around. The desire is from God. I just had a strong desire. Meanwhile, I've not finished preparing my message. I've not finished the message, but I just felt like, let me leave the hotel room and walk around on the compound. Let me just go to the back. So I, I just went, walking around, looking at the swimming pool, the trees and all that. I was just there enjoying the fresh air. And I happened to meet someone who's a Muslim. I preached the person. The person agreed to receive Christ and led him to Christ. Early morning, 6 a.m., <laughs> He's a worker there. It led him to Christ. I called a Tamale pastor and gave, it, gave him to him. So, how come I just left the room and went there? God worked that design. I didn't hear an audible voice. My son, it's time for you to arise. For I have an appointed man behind the hotel. <laughs> who bear, who is a vessel to reach the nations of the world. <laughs> Those things come once once in a long time but mostly God worked the desire how did I meet my wife <laughs> one day I was in the room and I had a preaching appointment I was going to preach somewhere but there was a camp written at University of Ghana they, they used the water hall or dining hall for the camp. They were, it was vacation at that time, so the camp meeting was held there. So as I was going, I just had a desire that, because the camp is led by my, my, my father in the Lord. That's his ministry. So let me just pass by and just greet him for some 10 minutes, for some 10 minutes and go. So I had the strong desire to just pass by. So as I, 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 I hear, are you following? So I just decided to pass by. So I got to the camp meeting. Normally, they would put me at the front. But this time around, I had a desire, desire to be at the back. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? I come to Live Economy. You put me at the front, then also, and I go to the back. So, but I just had it. It's a desire. I went to the back. So as I was worshiping, 
It's good to worship. It's worshiping. I had a desire to open my eyes. And I obeyed the desire to open my eyes. <laughs> I was behind. And I saw someone close to the front. I didn't know the person. But can you imagine that you can see about 500 bucks? You can see people's back because you are, the, you are the, uh, the, the back. But I saw someone. I've never seen the person's face. I don't even know who the person is. But I said I had a strong you know, convic- inward conviction to talk to the person. That, that's it's what's supernatural. To talk, even the desire to talk to the person was by God. <laughs> so you don't have to receive it, it's, it's already working. So <laughs> I waited. First I had to go and preach. I waited. Waited. There was a desire not to be hurried to go. <laughs> After 15 or 20 minutes, they, they closed the session. Then I went and I asked somebody to, please, can you call that lady sitting? So they called her. But then so I realized that we had met before. I was so excited. We sat down and to begin with, we spoke for three hours. <laughs> that day. God gave me the desire to talk to her. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, let me give an example. If someone prophesies to you that this is the person you have to marry. Now, listen. There's no desire for the person. There's no desire for the person. There's no feeling for the person. There's no likeness for the person. You even don't like how the person is. The person doesn't even suit your tastes. And you don't really, there's nothing there. It's too wrong. It's too wrong. Don't consider it. When it comes to marriage, God will not violate your desire. Yeah. There are some things that maybe your concept is wrong. Aha. Uh-huh. Your concept, maybe you want someone with, with a huge leg. When the leg is very, some, some of the things are not very, you know, you know. Uh-uh. A certain pastor was looking for someone to marry. And uh, someone was recommending a person. The first thing the pastor could ask was that the pastor didn't ask the person's faith, the person's uh, uh, commitment to Christ. The, the pastor didn't ask anything. The first question the pastor asked was, Oh, d- does she have some hips? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Not every desire is from God. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying that alright let me come back so someone gives you a prophecy to, about someone you don't like there's no desire for don't, don't pursue it God will never do that God will not do that so I see in the spirit I had received a lot of prophecies like that one day I went to preach after preaching the Holy Ghost was moving a lady started following me, following me prophesying Vera, Vera, Vera. 
Wherever I was moving in the auditorium, the lady was saying, Vera, Vera, your wife, your wife, she is Vera. Her name is Vera, your wife. Vera is her name. Can you imagine? Vera. I, I went to another meeting. The prophet said, your wife is Akosia. Yeah. <laughs> another meeting, the, the person prophet said, your wife is Frida. Yeah. I said, ah, is God permitting polygamy or something? <laughs> you see, God will desire. God will work in you. When you see him and you see her, something will do you. <laughs> Ask Bishop when Bishop met Dr. Yvonne. Something was just doing him. Yeah. It, it was a desire. God put that desire there. Praise God. <laughs> For instance, there are people who decide that. Uh, when they marry, they don't want children. Someone said she, he, 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 they didn't want to give birth. But they went to someone's naming ceremony. And after the ceremony, this lady took the baby, the child who was named. And as she was just playing with the child, God used that baby to work a design her. All of a sudden, she began to desire for a child. All of a sudden. So from that day, she began to ponder, ha, is, is it to be good to have a child? And they have children now. So it was God's will for them to have children. But God worked the desire. Praise God. Sometimes someone gives you a prophecy. You are in hope. You have to move to Accra to do ministry. This is not where you are supposed to be. What will you do? How do you know it's of God? Hmm. Before you now, God, don't go if God has not worked the desire. You miss it. The prophet may be right, he can also be wrong. How do you know he's right and how do you know he's wrong? Now, when the prophecy comes, whether right or wrong, if there is no present desire, hold on. Don't act. But if it is right, listen, before the time comes, God will start working a desire for Accra. God will start working the desire for Accra. That's how it works. For instance, um, the Lord showed me a senior brother that he was going to use Mercedes Benz. So I told his brother that, oh, your senior brother is going to use Mercedes Benz. So when he told his senior brother that, he laughed and said, oh, that's a car I don't like. <laughs> oh, I don't like it at all. But the Lord showed me after two years, he was using Mercedes-Benz. Then his brother reminded him the top range of Mercedes-Benz. And his brother reminded him and said, ah, but Reverend said we're going to use Mercedes-Benz. He said, is that so? Did Reverend say it? <laughs> you see? So it had to do with time. When the time came, God worked in him the desire for that kind of car. So some prophecy is time-bound. Even if it is true, don't just run with the prophecy. Wait. Someone says you have to travel abroad for your masters. But you realize that, in fact, presently, I don't have any desire for masters. The money is not there. There's nothing there. And the prophet says, 
the prophet says is this year it's now it's now <laughs> or never now <laughs> what do you have to do you can pray about it and wait for the desire you know why because the prophet prophesying he's seen in part and prophesying in part when prophecy comes you need two attitudes towards prophecy the Bible tells us that number one, despise not prophesying. So don't despise it. But number two, the Bible says you should judge prophecy. So while you are not despising it, judge it. You know why you should judge it? Because it, is a, it can be a perfect word coming through an imperfect human instrument. And sometimes he has, he has received a word which is 100% correct, but the interpretation of what he saw may not be 100% accuracy. He's interpreted according to his own experience in the prophetic by what he has seen and how he has related to others. So he feels like this must be it according to my previous, ex- previous experience. And interpreting it, Prophet Jima, am I? And interpreting it, he misses it. So there are some people, if you see vision concerning pastor, don't interpret. See, pastor, that's what I saw. He's mature enough to interpret it. <laughs> yeah. So, I've seen prophecy in the past. A man of God said, if it doesn't happen this year, I'm not a man of God. It never happened. (laughs) It never happened. It never happened. 2007. 2007. Some people prophesied to me that I have to go to UK. Two different prophets. Now, now, this year, that's the will of God for your life. But, eh, hmm, I have to go. And one said, if it doesn't happen this year, God has not called me. And I remember that same year, March, Prophet Manasseh prophesied to me. He said, you are contemplating going abroad. It's far from the time. Oh. Can you imagine? So how can, how can? But all of them were, they were good Christians. They were not, they were correct Christians, whom I have known. They, they were true Christians, all of them. They, they were not false believers, <laughs> correct. And I still respect them today, but they still missed it. We are not led by prophet. We are led by the Holy Ghost. But God can use the prophet. That's why you don't have to despise from science. But ultimately, God will first work the design in you. So maybe the, the traveling crowd is in the next 10 years or 5 years. When it's getting closer, all of a sudden God will work it. So when the prophecy comes, just relax. Don't be in a hurry. Now, if someone prophesies something to you that the desire is not there, don't do it. For instance, someone prophesies to you that, oh, your ministry is among Sunday school kids. <laughs> Meanwhile, you and children is like here, it's the Abraham's bosom, and there's a, a, a grist. <laughs> what do you have to do? <laughs> Years ago, someone prophesied to me to join a certain prayer meeting. Some prayer warriors, when I went to join. Every day when I'm going, I say, oh, and when I get that, my, in my heart, they finished. That's not where I was supposed to be. A desire. So what it means is that if truly I'm called for Sunday school, maybe it's not now. It could be in the next three years. 
By the time it get there, the desire would have happened. Yeah. I remember when God told me I was going to be a teacher of the word. 1998. God spoke to me that, number one, I'll be an apostle of faith. I'll be, a, he said, the teacher of God. I didn't like the word teacher. Because when the Lord said teacher, what I thought of was Sunday school teacher. And me to I know that kids, you know, how can I do it? So, you know, I wrote what God showed me. I, I made the apostle of faith bold. But the teacher of God, I made it small. <laughs> and closed the book and put it somewhere. I didn't like it one bit. One bit. I didn't like teaching. I didn't, of all the gifts, the one I didn't like was teaching. But God spoke to me. So was it true or false? It was a matter of time. It came to pass after eight years. That's why it started very little. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God will work in you. Say God will work in me. Work in Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. I was teaching marriage counseling. I was teaching some people that when you get married, don't be in a hurry to give birth. Just then, a honeymoon, you want to give birth. No, just then, a honeymoon babies. <laughs> a lot of marriages struggle because um, knowing yourself in the marital terms is different from knowing yourself in relationship level. So they can be, there should be a kind of, <laughs> there should be a kind of a little bonding to know yourself. Because you see, when your wife gets pregnant the first two months, her body shape, her body structure, hormones, everything changes. And when children comes in, everything changes. You know, know yourself well before all those things start happening. And a lot of divorces have been as a result of that. So it's good to know yourself a while. So I taught this couple and one of them agreed, one disagreed. They were going to get married. One of them felt like he's growing. So when he get married, honeymoon straight, papa, twins. So the lady agreed, oh, let's hold on a while. So then this couple came home. They came to my house and they saw my kids. We gave them a chance to manage them small. When they saw how stressful it was, the movement up and down. But the end of the day, the guy had changed his mind. So. Please let's wait a while. <laughs> he said the one year is short. Let's add a little more to it. God had used the situation to work a desire in him. Hmm. Now, I dealt with this couple. Eh? They have three children, but the husband wants five. The lady said she will never be pregnant again. And she said, even if the Holy Ghost says it, she wouldn't do it. Apparently, she had struggled and suffered a lot in childbearing and pregnancy. She said she would never do it. So they came to my house. Oh, the man was saying, convince my wife for me. Convince my wife for me. I could convince her, but by the time they get home, the wife would say, no. <laughs> no. I told the husband, don't push it. Don't push it. People are ministry people. Don't push it. Just pray. It is God what that does that. Recently, when I met them, the woman was saying that I'm willing to give better game. I'm willing. I'm ready. Yeah, I believe that God worked a desire at the right time. 
Yeah, at the right time. The desire came for more children. Praise God. So the best is telling us that God is constantly working the, working the desire in you. Praise God. That's how he leads us. You know his will by having worked his desire in you. And when, oh my, hallelujah. So he's, the Greek says he's constantly working the desire. Constantly. 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 Morning, afternoon, evening. Constantly. Constantly. And when you hear it, you can be at rest. You can know how God is leading you. Because there are certain things you pray. You want to see an, an inscription in the spirit. An engravement. Something worked. It may, not, it may not, not come. God says, I've already spoken to you. I've given you the inward desire. Praise God. If you are confused about it, spend time praying more. And you separate between the soul and the spirit. What is from God and what is from you? Praise God. So my brethren, God is constantly working desire in you. Desire in you. Desire for that husband. Desire for that wife. Desire for that work. Desire for that house. Desire for that place. That's what he does. That's what he does. Desire. Desire for that kind of car. For instance, when I was going to get married, I wanted to have a boy first. All my desire was to have a boy, a male. Male. First of all, let me start this way. I wanted to give birth at the honeymoon. I wanted to impregnate my wife at the honeymoon. Because I felt that I didn't marry Ellie. Sharpshooter. Sharp hit, hit the mark. Why delay? Why delay? Just have prophetic precision. Hit the mark. <laughs> but when we started counseling, as, as I was praying, I, I began to feel, I didn't know what I told you, I began to feel we should wait a while. I had planned to just do it fast. But God also started working with my wife that we should just wait a while. But I couldn't say it. And my wife too couldn't say it. But it was in her heart. I started feeling, but I couldn't lay hold on it. So when we met our counselors and they started counseling us, they made it clear. That day when we came out of the counseling session, I said, ah, this is it. This is it. This is it. I told her we are going to wait for a year. She said, oh, that's it. It has been in here. So God worked in us. And I wanted a girl. Eh, sorry, a boy. Just a male. Just a male. Just a male. Why? Because the first one of Abraham was a male. And the first one of Isaac was a male. And the first one of Jacob was a male. <laughs> All the patriarchs. None of them had female to be, to be the first. I said, oh, it would be good to have a boy. Yeah. <laughs> the beginning of my strength and my might but as we're drawing now to the marriage all of a sudden I began to desire for a, for a girl I began to be smiling oh how nice will it be to hold a girl I, I was so happy oh to be nice to have a girl and lo and behold a girl came <laughs> so it is God he's always working the Bible says he's working constantly why, 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 why banquets lap here and not rice? <laughs> yeah. One day I was going to, went to Golden Tulip to eat Sunday buffet. I was taking food, but I had a desire not to take that food, but to go elsewhere. 
But I still insisted and took what I had. And I went to my stomach. We'll talk about the rest later. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Let's check the third thing. Um, what God is constantly working. So I want you to understand that your desires are supernatural. God put those desires there. Yeah, don't violate it. Don't let anyone push you to do something you are not willing to do. It can even be your parent. Yeah. Don't get into a course you don't have the desire for. Yeah. Go and do a course. You know, there's no desire. I want to do music, but my, my parents say science. I want to do art, but my parents say science. No. No. <laughs> no. Hallelujah. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.